Blog Talk Radio. You are now listening to True Murder, the most shocking killers in true crime history and the authors that have written about them. Gacy, Bundy, Dahmer, The Night Stalker, BTK. Every week, another fascinating author talking about the most shocking and infamous killers in true crime history. True Murder, with your host, journalist and author, Dan Zupanski. Good evening. Elliot Roger considered himself to be intelligent, refined, handsome, fashionable, and charming. He spent years trying to be cool so women would like him. He thought if he just wore expensive and fashionable clothing, had a better car, or if he were rich, then women would throw themselves at him. In fact, he thought himself to be the supreme gentleman. Yet, women paid no attention to him. His only conclusion was that they were genetically flawed, and because of this, they ignored him and threw themselves at men who were ignorant, savage brutes. In his mind, his lack of success with women had ruined his life. He started to psychologically deteriorate. Roger decided to get revenge. He spent months planning his day of retribution, an act where he would kill as many attractive women and the type of men that were drawn to, they were drawn to as he could in a savage attack. Then he acted on his plan, killing six people and wounding numerous others in what became known as the Isla Vista Massacre. The story does not end with Roger, however, as numerous other incels have since committed copycat attacks. The Supreme Gentleman Killer by Brian Whitney is the story of Elliot Roger and how he turned from a nice, quiet, polite young man to the first self-identified incel, involuntarily celibate killer. The book that we're featuring this evening is The Supreme Gentleman Killer, the story of an incel mass murderer, with my special guest journalist and author, Brian Whitney. Welcome back to the program, Brian Whitney. Hey, Dan. Thanks so much. Thank you very much for coming to this program again with a very, very interesting case, I have to say. How did you come? Give us these circumstances and the whys and hows of how you came to be the author of this book. Well, I've actually always been very interested in the case, um, even when the, the massacre first happened and, and incels sort of became a more popularized popularized term. Um, it's something that I've that I've always been interested in, and I've also always been a little confused why no one's ever written a book about about Elliot Roger before, because his case to me is so fascinating. So I just pitched it to a. Uh, Wild Blue, uh, who I've published a lot with, and they were interested in the idea, so I so I sat down and wrote it. And also, he, Elliot, um, wrote a manifesto called My Twisted World, um, which you know gives access to a lot of his thoughts about why and how he did what he did. So the whole thing um, has just always been very interesting to me. Let's talk about. Elliot Roger is a very, very interesting background. And, of course, 
you lay out every bit of his background and the psychology that envelops him, him in his life. Let's talk about his background, where he grew up, what were his parents like, what happened with that his parents' marriage. Tell us about that. Sure. Um, he was born in England um, from a wealthy family, um, moved to America at a very young age. His father's name is Peter Roger, and he's a He's a director. Um, he was an assistant director on uh, The Hunger Games, and then he did his own independent movie called Oh My God a few years later. His mother, um, her name is Chin, um, she, had been, she had dated um, George Lucas in the past. Um, so he was from a, you know, he's from a family that, that had some money, moved to America, so his father could advance his career in film. Um, he's a very shy very, very shy kid, and he was always sort of obsessed with, with status and wealth and things of that nature, even when he was very young. And as time went on, um, I, could, I, you know, I could talk for about 10 minutes on this piece, but I'm sure you'll have a follow-up question. But as time went on, he, he became more and more lost in a world um, where he felt that he didn't have any status, um, whether it be even in elementary school, he felt that way, any social status. Um, junior high school that increased high school it increased even more women weren't interested in him um, girls weren't interested in him and, and he was a very lonely shy kid who kind of went off into fantasy a lot his parents though uh, he seemed to be traumatized and was traumatized by many things including his his parents divorce at, at a fairly early age Right. Uh, tell us about that right. but also tell us this idea of privilege and his parents divorcing, but he did grow up um, in the upper middle class, so that afforded him certain things that I think, if you if you look through this entire story, certainly had some contribution in terms of some of his mindset even early on. Tell us about something, uh, some things about the private schools that he attended and why. Yeah, and he and he was traumatized by a lot of things, but but it's also interesting that a lot of things that he was traumatized by were not things that they were difficult things, but they weren't things sure. that that would cause most people to be as traumatized as he was by them. I would say, but his parents divorced when he was young. Um, his father um, remarried rather quickly with a woman named Sumaya, who's a very attractive woman, um, an actress. Um, Elliot, he always was closer to his mom and his dad, um, so then he started going back and forth between two houses. His father um, lived in a bunch of different areas of um, California, but they were all very upper-class areas, you know, with the swimming pool and the, the balconies and so on and so forth. His mom lived in an apartment at one point, and Elliot was very upset by that, you know, that he had to live in a you know, what he considered to be like a, a poor environment, which his mother definitely was not poor, but in his mind, um, she was. So and that definitely had had a lot to do with it. He also, though, thought his father, because his father almost immediately remarried, he thought his father was very powerful because he could attract such an attractive woman so soon. Um, so, you know, he and he did go to a lot of different private schools um, as he was growing up, which each school he, he hated more than the last one. Um, his parents would remove him from one school and then put him in another school. Um, he would just, in his words, 
he would be paralyzed with fear at school and he wouldn't dare to talk to anybody. But at the same point, this is what makes him really interesting. At the same point, even as he was paralyzed by fear and wouldn't dare to talk to anybody, he always thought that he was better and he couldn't understand why these women weren't attracted, these girls weren't attracted to him. He couldn't understand why they were attracted to these jocks, these guys that he thought were brutish sort of slobs. Um, so it just became this rather unique thing with him where where he he did have all these privileges and he had, you know, he, he was a decent-looking guy and he had a lot of money and had good clothes, but um, at the same point, at the same point, he couldn't reconcile his reality to, to what his what his thoughts were about what should be happening in his life. He also developed with the divorce and the dynamics of the relationships that ensued from that, especially with Sum- Sumaya, that he didn't um, he didn't respect and appreciate the discipline or her disciplining him at all. And later that becomes no. important when she disciplines him and takes away the, the biggest joy of his life at that time. Um, what is the dynamic that he sees? At first, he sees his father powerful, and that he was able to attract this beautiful woman. Um, where does how does he develop these ideas of weakness and power? Um, how does he come to that at such an early age? Where does that come from? You think? I mean, that's that's a good question. I mean, he's a very he's a very complicated. He was a very complicated guy. So Sumaya so was from Morocco. Um, he did, Elliot, when he retreated, as lots of people do, as lots of young teenagers do, and he retreated into a world of video games. In particular, he was very into World of Warcraft, and he, he played World of Warcraft all the time, and Sumaya would try to limit his time on the game, and she would, she would um, discipline him in other ways. She'd try to force him to go outside and play with other kids in the neighborhood, and Elliot just didn't want to do that, and occasionally one time they made him to go to Morocco in the summer with, with her, which meant he couldn't play World of Warcraft at all. And he thought of Morocco as like a third world country. Um, and, and so there were a lot of issues with, with Elliot and his stepmother because she did end up marrying um, Peter, his father. Um, and there were also a lot of issues with him why he didn't understand why he, as Peter's son, was, was you know, forced to be secondary to this, to this woman. Um, in his life, and that definitely, he definitely, um, and he also, it's, it, it should be said that at this point when he was young, they also did bring him to psychiatrists, and he had some diagnoses that he was on the autism spectrum, but it never was really that clear um, how far how far they went with that, and in fact, his father, um, Peter, was sort of like, I don't think he really is autistic. He thought he was just shy. His mother definitely thought he was autistic, and there were differing viewpoints from psychiatrists at that time. So they were aware that there were some issues, and they were trying to get him help, but no one ever was aware, even slightly, of of how deeply he was going astray when he was young. Right. Now, he developed this sort of philosophy, and you touched on it, about about him being inferior in certain ways, but then also he had a, a pretty uh, optimistic and positive self-image, which contributed, which he thought he was very handsome. Um, tell us some of the things that he thought he had 
that were inferior and some of the things that he thought were superior and the things he and this was at an early age in elementary school yeah at a, at a very very young age he he um he was aware at least in his mind i mean this is in his mind he was shorter than most other kids he wasn't particularly athletic um he noticed even that that it took him longer to swing on a swing uh, kids younger than him could swing and he still would have his father push him um he really hated that he was short um he used to um lay down on the ground and just try to stretch to make himself taller um he tried to play basketball to make himself taller because he as a, as a young child he thought that that would make him tall as opposed to the tall people played basketball he became obsessed at one point with skateboarding um because he thought if he could skateboard he'd be cool and he dyed his hair blonde this is when he was like in sixth or seventh grade he dyed his hair blonde. Um, he's like, oh, if I if I learn to skateboard and my hair is blonde, then I'll be like, everyone will think I'm cool. But then other kids were better at him in skateboarding, so he just quit skateboarding. So this was kind of a theme throughout his, his life, this, these inferior things. But he considered himself completely intellectually superior um, to just about everybody. Um, the title of the book, The Supreme Gentleman, is sort of a theme throughout his life because in his writings – he constantly refers to himself as, as him being a gentleman of class and tastes and these other men that are boys that women or girls are attracted to um, are slobs, inferior to him, and he's very confused as to why these these young women or girls, um, I keep mixing that term up because this goes all the way from he's like, you know, 12 until, sure. until the end of his life. Um, so... So that's the that's the part of it. So in some ways he feels incredibly inferior, but in other ways he feels that that he's vastly superior, and he can't understand why young women are attracted to young men that have different qualities than he has. And he gets very very angry about this. It's not like the kind of thing where he's sitting around ruminating on this. I mean, he's he is very very angry about it. You talk about his awkward puberty and accidentally finding out about masturbation and turning into a, a great source of pleasure for him. And yet, even with World of Warcraft and even with this masturbation new hobby, there always seems some disappointment. Um, we didn't talk about whether he had and his family had any religious background, but tell us about this uh, this prudish, uh, him being so prudish about sex, even yeah. at a time when you wouldn't think a young boy would be of that mindset. Yeah, that 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 is interesting. I mean, there there were a few times that that he would get on. Um, AOL was big at the time. Um, it's kind of like a for people that are young. It was going to be in a chat room that America sure. Online, and occasionally someone would send him something you know, that might be a naked woman, and he'd get extremely upset by it. Um, at one point, he was at a, a cyber cafe where people could get on computers, and he saw somebody else um, looking at porn, and he upset to the point that in the cyber cafe, for example, he saw the person looking at porn, and he got so freaked out that he left, and he cried all the way home um, after seeing yeah. um, the this image of, of pornography. And his masturbation... He was very 
all he would ever think about was him, you know, having sex. And it was always a beautiful blonde girl. One of the most interesting things about Elliot, and I could say this later, but since this just came up, um, he never thought about himself being with a, a girl or, or a woman that was that was anything but a perfect looking woman. So it, it wasn't a situation where he was like, if an average looking girl in high school approached him, he, he probably would have totally blown them off because in his mind, um, he was destined to be with a beautiful blonde woman or if he wasn't, it was ruined. It was pretty much those two absolutes. Right. Now, how about friendships? We, we In the book you write about his mom, you know, she's divorced, the father's divorced, there's trips to Morocco, he has a, a new woman in his life, so he's not the center of attention, and sometimes he is um, taken care of by nannies. Um, yeah. So what about friends, and how does he approach approach friends? You said Sumaya tries to try to get him to go outside and play with friends. What's the problem with making friends? He is incredibly he was incredibly shy. Um, he was a very, very shy kid. Um, his teachers throughout school would talk about how he would, he would never really speak to anybody. Um, this was also a theme throughout his life where he, whether it be females or, or male friendships, he would kind of hope that things would happen and, and get really angry when they didn't, but he really pretty much never would, would actually take any steps himself to, um, to make these relationships with people, whether they be male or female. As far as male friends, there were a few times he basically didn't have any when he was really young. Um, there were a few times that, that he had these little groups of friends that he'd play um, play World of Warcraft with or go to the cyber cafe. But then even then he would find out sometimes, like he'd be playing World of Warcraft and, with these three other kids and he'd find out they were all in the same room some you know, at some other house playing where they didn't invite him to come. He had one good friend for quite a while named James um, that that he sort of connected with around World of Warcraft and would get together with on occasions. Um, that friendship ended because of Elliot's behavior um, later in life. And, and it was the same sort of thing with guys who'd get really angry. if Say he had a friend even when he was 13 or 14 and the friend had a, had a girlfriend, Elliot would get really, really mad. Um, really mad just that the person actually had a girlfriend and would often end up getting in a fight, not a physical fight, but a verbal fight um, with that friend about that fact. Now the relationship with his parents, he's always close to his mom and always had affection for his mom, but things change with his father and tell us why and what are those changes result in for him? He did always, um, he was very clear, and this is the odd part, because his mother um, didn't have much money comparatively. I mean, I think she's basically middle class. She wasn't, she wasn't poor at all. Um, but he did have a very close relationship with her, but he didn't feel that, that, you know, that she had the ability to, like, you know, up his status at all. Well, his father actually did. So over time, um, Elliot and his stepmother began to fight more and more. His father, in his mind, completely took... Um, and, and again, as I'm saying this, most of this information I'm I'm getting from police reports and uh, background information that has been in investigations, and also Elliot's own thoughts. So these are Elliot's thoughts about his relationship with his with his parents. Um, that his father took took Samaya's side all the time. That, that 
you know, and, and over as time went on, their relationship became um, more and more um, fractured uh, because of, as I've said before, that he felt that, that Peter always took her side and never his. So they became less and less close as time went on. What about World of Warcraft? Uh, what was the whole uh, role-playing game um, situation online? What did that present to him? What did he? What did he think of it? Well, I mean, I've played World of Warcraft, so I so I have an idea. Um, it's it's uh, it's it's one of those games where you're you're not only and back in the day, this was one of the first games like this. You know, back in you right. Know, I would say probably you started playing in like 2007, 2008 or so. Um, it was one of the only games like this where you aren't just playing a game, you're also playing with, with other characters um, that are other people. So people communicate with you, you join a guild, which is kind of a group. You do things together in the guild, and it's kind of endless. You can just keep playing and playing, and there's always something else to do. You can lose... You can lose hours, you can lose days, you know, in a game like this. So for Elliot, as as it is for a lot of people, games of that nature are just ways for them to get out of their reality and do something that they that they feel um you know that they that they kind of fit in with and that they don't have the pressures of day to day life so he had at a lot of points in his life for for years like it was all he wanted to do like he didn't want to um i mean he wanted to have a girlfriend he wanted to have friends but all basically all he really did was just play world of warcraft um for quite a while, and and was just lost in it, and and it eventually it, it lost its luster, and he he got tired of even that. But for years, it was it was his thing. Did he make friends online? He made he made some, but then, as always happens with a game like that, it became more popular. So um, they weren't really friends, but I mean, there were people that that he could that he could chat with and make a joke with and communicate with but as it became more popular you started to hate the game more and more because because there would be more and more quote unquote normal people on the game that would make jokes about virgins or the people that play the game have no life and since Elliot was a virgin and Elliot considered himself to not have a life he he started to get very angry and eventually quit he also didn't like the fact that he played so much similar to like the sports thing he played so much but he still wasn't all that great there was still like if you if you play a game like World of Warcraft, there's there's a lot of competition as far as like you know who's the best and who's the best healer or who's the best tank or whatever. And he he wasn't that great. So even that like he started to get angry that he put so much time in and he still wasn't one of the best at it. So he eventually quit. That was another theme as well is that whenever he did anything, uh, if anyone was better. Then he at skateboarding. Then he lost his yes. interest in it because there was somebody that was better that hadn't done it as long as him. And so, why right, continue? Right. His whole yeah, his whole life is like that. He would he he always just would have these different ideas about something he might want to do, and 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 then um, once he realized that somebody was better, um, especially someone as you said that hasn't worked as hard as he was, he would he would eventually give up and say, what's the point, you know, if he's not the very best at it and, and he's not cool, and then why do it? How close was he to his father and how much of that 
father-son bonding was done despite his uh, ambitious film career and his change in his personal life with Sumaya. I think when he was when he was very young, he was he was very close to his dad. I mean, he he definitely really looked up to his father, and he still looked up to his father for for quite a while. But then around the Samaya time, um, again they they started to fall apart, and he also was very upset because he didn't understand why his father didn't get how unhappy he was. Even though he would never tell his father any of these things, he right. he became angry that his father didn't understand, like they'd go out for a birthday party or something and his father would would be with Samaya and he had a sister, but he barely talks about his sister. He also had a younger brother, but quite a bit younger. So at this point, his brother hadn't even born yet. So, um, you know, and it would be his birthday and, and, and his father would be very pleased and proud and being nice to him and Elliot would actually get mad at his father because how could his father be acting like everything's okay when he's so miserable, but at the same point, all he would do is tell his father that everything's okay. So it was, it was that kind of relationship. I wouldn't even say it was a bad relationship per se. It was just it was just a false relationship because neither one of them had any idea, you know, what the other one was really, what was really thinking at any point. There was no real communication going on between Elliot and anybody in his life. He developed a a hatred for these blonde, good-looking women that wouldn't give him the time of day right from the very beginning, from school, elementary school, to high school, and to college. Yeah. But at this early stage, he hated the women that would not pay any attention to him, but he also hated, as we said in the introduction, the jocks that he thought that they were stupidly attracted to and these jocks were worthless inferior but he also thought more highly of certain races didn't he as well yeah yeah he really did and when you say the thing is too if you, if you know about the case or if you read the book when you say hated i mean it's not even there's no word to even describe how much he hated these people i mean he yeah he hated them with every fiber of his being. Like every, every woman that he desired that, that didn't want him, he hated. And every guy that he would see a, a, an attractive woman and a guy together. And he would get incredibly angry. Sometimes he would cry. Um, it was that, you know, it was that extreme. And yes, he did. He, this is another one of the things about him. That's, that's confusing as well as interesting. He would, he would look down on, on um, if there was a guy, there was, for example, this is his term, but if it was a guy that was Mexican, he would that had an attractive girlfriend or would have sex with somebody, Elliot would get really mad. You know, he would be like, how can this, this obnoxious, low-class Mexican, I'm paraphrasing, but this is pretty much it, you know, have an attractive girlfriend when he didn't. Um, he, he would get so incredibly mad um, so it wasn't just, as you say, he would be mad at the, the beautiful young woman. He would be mad at the jock the woman was dating, but then he would also be mad if someone he considered lesser than him ended up with a good-looking girlfriend or had sex. Yeah. Now, in his deluded mindset, I guess no one had told him he didn't have any friends, he didn't have any brothers or sisters or anyone to tell them this, and he didn't know of it himself, he believed that he was a fairly good-looking person. 
as time went on, he, he did, became yeah. more stylish. He 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 had the money, the means to buy expensive clothes. He eventually got a really nice car, but even before that, he thought that all he had to do was what, and women would approach him. Well, are you talking about the? I mean, he had a. He thought if he were rich, is that what you're talking about? The financial aspect. Well, I of mean. It? He, well, the, the idea, too, this is a basic, you know, thing that people would learn socially, that he thought he could just stand somewhere, look good, yeah, yeah. and then a beautiful right. woman would approach him and say, hi, hi, what are yeah. you doing? What do you, you want to make love, you know, so. That's the weirdest part about it is that throughout his entire um, life, he never actually asked anybody out. I mean, he never right. once approached anybody. Um, he would get. You know, I would go to a store and get a Ralph Lauren shirt and get really expensive sunglasses and he'd comb his hair perfectly and and he would just sit somewhere. He'd go to the mall or walk around or he'd sit somewhere. And he's a you know, he's a weird guy, so I can even imagine the way he would even be looking at, at women and then he would see an attractive woman and he would he would look at them, um, and then, you know, they they would just keep walking and then he would get really angry. And as time went on, he started to do really bizarre things where occasionally he'd drive past, for example, he would drive past two young women and one time he would smile, smile at them from his car. They ignored him. So he turned around and would like splashes. He'd pull up and throw his coffee on their pants and then, and then drive away. Um, wow. Just a very, very maladaptive way of thinking that, you know, that you would possibly meet somebody. And then he also was completely obsessed, even at a young age, was that if he was really rich, then one would want him. So that was another thing. He always wanted his mother to marry a rich guy or his father to make more money or his father's movies to be more successful. Um, because if that happened, then in his mind, he was guaranteed to have that beautiful blonde woman that that he always wanted. Right. Now, high school was a bust for him no matter where he went. And, and again, what's consistent through this is this guy is a big crier. He'll cry for yeah. hours. He'll go somewhere and cry. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. This yeah. is yeah. anguish. Um, but the thing is I wanted to talk about was um, there are pi- points where he has some optimism, some hope. Tell us about this college that and the idea of college and where he is at in, in terms of this mindset with there is some optimism at some point. He'll give it a try. Tell us about what college represented to him and tell us a little bit about this college. Well, he had, throughout high school, this is a quick background, I mean, he had... Um, a whole bunch, a whole myriad of, of problems. So, in his mind, once he find, he ended up going to a school that was just basically like a a school for kind of troubled kids that couldn't fit in with um, mainstream high school kids, where he just kind of like did his work online and went home early and so on and so forth. And he'd kind of he'd kind of sort of given up in a in a sense. And then he, his parents took him up to dinner. Um, his mother, not Samaya, but his actual mother and and his father, and they were like, you know, we really think she should go to school and he tried to go to, he went to one school called Pierce, which was a community college and dropped out right away for the same reasons he would see 
an attractive woman with a guy and he'd get really mad and he would just leave his, he'd drop his class because he couldn't even handle being in the class with him and so on and so forth. So he decided to go to um, um, Santa Barbara College and um, his parents paid for that and they set him up and they gave him spending money. In his mind, it was in um, Isla Vista, California, which is a party town. It's known as a party town. Elliot had seen a movie called Alpha Dog when he was in high school that was set there and he had it in his mind that if he went to this school um no one was going to know who he was because he was this in his mind again he was this shy little loser he always called himself a little mouse he was like this worthless little mouse that everybody picked on and everyone ignored and now that he was going to go to college it's a clean slate and everything was going to be going to be great and there'd be literally no way that he couldn't you know start having sex all the time and getting laid and his dreams would come to um, fruition, basically. So his parents, his father brought him there. Um, he had a room where he had his own room, and he was had roommates, but, but he had his own room, and the other two had to share another room. And um, in his mind, like when he first got there, he was, he was nervous as hell, obviously, but he was still very excited um, for his life to change, basically. Let's use this as an opportunity, Brian, to talk about our sponsor for the program today, which is ritual. We all want to do the right thing to keep our bodies healthy in the long run. But if we try really hard to eat kale salads and drink green smoothies, we're still most likely not getting all of the essential nutrients we need on a daily basis. Enter Ritual, the obsessively researched vitamin for women. Ritual's essentials have the nutrients most of us don't get enough of from food, all in their clean, absorbable forms. No shady additives or ingredients that can do more harm to your body than good. Two easy-to-take capsules provide nine nutrients you need to support a strong foundation for your health. My wife Lisa had decided to try Ritual about three months ago now. She really liked what Ritual had to say about their Ritual Essential Vitamin, and she feels very confident taking it and thinks it's made a, a difference in her daily activities. From D3 to Omega-3, Rituals Essential for Women helps fill gaps in a women's diet. Their no-nausea capsule design is gentle on an empty stomach, and there's a mint tab in every bottle to keep things fresh, so you don't get that fishy aftertaste common with most Omega-3s. A subscription is easy to start, and it's easy to snooze. It's only a dollar a day to have all the essential nutrients your body needs delivered every month, no strings attached. Better health doesn't happen overnight, and right now Ritual is offering my listeners 10% off during their first three months. Fill in the gaps in your diet with Essential for Women, a small step that helps support a healthy foundation for your body. Visit ritual.com murder to start your ritual today. That's 10% off during your first three months at ritual.com murder. Now, Brian, you say that he was going to college. He was going to an idyllic place in his mind. He loved the place. And it seemed that for the very first time that he was much more optimistic about getting past this virginal state, meeting a woman, and being a success, and proving to to everyone that he was the, the supreme gentleman. Right. Tell us what happens at college with these roommates 
the first roommates. He has temporary roommates because they put they enroll him in the school in the dorms in June uh, or July, I believe. And but he's not scheduled yes. for school till September. So there's temporary roommates. Tell us about the experiences he has with these roommates. He had a he had um early on he had um, a few different different roommates and a couple of them only lasted for a brief period of time and they were they were kind of okay for the most part just because Elliot just wanted to be left alone so if somebody was was even sort of polite to him and didn't like really pick on him in his mind or not pick on him but but you know, it's like in his mind, he wasn't really trying to be great friends with these roommates. He'd never even been around people for the most part. He just wanted to like have it be okay. So right. initially, there were some that were kind of okay, but that was only lasted for for a few weeks, as you said, because it was all pre um, before school even started. Um, then he got in with some roommates that that he considered to be low class, um, didn't like them, and almost immediately. Um, his roommates had a friend over and the friend was talking about like, you know, women and so on and so forth. And for some reason it came up whether or not Elliot was a virgin or he asked the roommate if they've all had sex and Elle said yes, um, which made Elliot very angry. He went into his room and kind of freaked out and cried again and like, you know, kicked and punched some things and so on and so forth. And, and so ended up fighting with those roommates like almost constantly to the point that that he ended up um, being moved um, to another unit because he just couldn't even deal with the fact that these people, like these low-class people, had had sex and that he had not had sex. Um, then he moved in with a roommate named Spencer who was with quite a, for quite a while, and he didn't really mind Spencer that much um, for the same reason. The main thing he didn't like about Spencer is that Spencer was the only one that knew that he, you know, what his life was really like, that he was just not getting laid in his room all the time. But then Spencer brought home a, a young woman one day, had sex with her, which made Elliot very, very angry. And again, the only reason that he wasn't, that he could even deal with it was he looked at the woman and didn't think she was that beautiful. So then he insulted Spencer for having sex with a woman that wasn't very attractive in Elliot's mind so they ended up hating each other and, and getting in a huge fight um so this kind of thing just just continued to go on um i don't want to get too ahead of myself and talk about his last roommates yet but um so yeah. he wasn't doing very well with his roommates nor was he doing very well um with his goal of meeting women to say the least you talked about this friend that really the only friend he has in his life is this person named James and they knew each other when they were young and then later they again rebonded over World of Warcraft right. and uh, he still felt close to James and felt close enough to James that he expressed his frustrations and also something that made James uh, exit his life. What does he begin to tell him and uh, and confide in him about? Well, at this point, throughout time, throughout throughout his life, Elliot became more and more extreme with things. So, so briefly, but even at college, it obviously didn't work out at all the way he planned. The same things would happen. He 
he would um, look at himself in the mirror and put on these sunglasses and tell himself how beautiful he looked, and then he'd go to class, and he would be ignored. I mean, not ignored, but no one would talk to him because he wasn't talking to anybody else either. So he was dropping his classes, getting angry at women and guys, same thing. So he started saying things to James, which were things that he really thought was that, you know, women were basically inferior, they were stupid, um, you know, he was getting more and more angry that they were, women in general acted the way they acted, he wished he could get revenge on people, started to tell James even some of the things that he wanted to do. He was often talking about, like, you know, boiling people in oil and things of that nature. And um, there would be times that he and James would go out to dinner, get a bite, and an attractive woman would come in with a guy, and, and James would just be like, you know, man, we're screwed, and because and, he knew Elliot was going to freak out, and Elliot would get really, really angry. And eventually James just um, pulled away because uh, he just couldn't handle how weird Gary, honestly, Elliot was um, Elliot was becoming. Mm-hmm. When he loses all his friends and, and school ends up to be a big bust for him. World of Warcraft isn't enough for him to distract him. What does he find online? What kind of communities does he find online? What kind of type of sites does he visit and what does he find? Well, he started, um, there was one site called um, puahate.com that he used to get on all the time, which is uh, stands for Pick Up Artist Hate. Um, he would go on sites like that and bodybuilding sites and he would basically just troll them. Um, he would spend a lot of time like getting on these sites, like, you know, um, talking about how much he, you know, hated bodybuilders and POA hate. There was Tim and a bunch of other people that would just join together. Um, this was before the term incel was popularized, but they were basically incels. Um, they would they would join together and bemoan the fact that that women were only attracted to, you know, guys with flat abs and, you know, and, and, and just attracted to stupid men instead of like, you know, intelligent men like them. Um, and they'd kind of stoke each other's fires and, and get each other wound up. Um, not all of them, of course, that's the thing you have to be clear about with these kind of things. It's not like I'm saying every, every person who identifies as an insult back then too was, was being this, dramatic about things but but Elliot did find some people that he could at least vent to online about the way he felt because he didn't have anyone in his real life that, that he could do so to mostly because what he was venting about was so insane obviously but right. he also read some things that uh, reinforced or at least maybe even advanced his own ideas about rape and uh, decriminalizing rape or legalizing rape he did read some far more extreme things than even he was espousing and imagining online, didn't he? Yeah, no, he did. I mean, he, he began to um, involve himself in things of that nature. He eventually became way more extreme than, you know, down the line. He was talking about putting women in concentration camps and things of that, things of that, uh, things of that nature um, because they weren't able to think for themselves. But yeah, he, he became more and more. A lot of it was also his isolation because, again, he went to this college with this, with this dream of all this happening. He basically just dropped out of college, didn't tell his parents he wasn't even taking classes anymore. They'd keep sending his allowance. Then another semester would come up, he'd take a class, 
um, drop that because you'd become incredibly angry seeing beautiful women in class and so on and so that, that you know with the jocks and stupid guys so he is basically not basically he was spending his, all of his time in his room um, not even playing wow anymore but just in his room fantasizing making plans playing the lottery playing the lottery constantly because he 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 thought that if he won the lottery that, that he'd be rich and then that would solve everything and um, just deteriorating and eventually he started thinking and plotting of this what he called the day of retribution um, where he would you know come out pay for how they treated him you know his whole life in that time he's had some delays he had an accident broke his leg Right. But also at the same time, he gave himself an out that if again, if he won the lottery, he was, thought he had intuition that he would win, then all his problems would be solved, and he wouldn't have to kill anybody. You know, ironically, he would go get that woman that he hated, and she would be attracted to <laughs> yeah. him because he had the money, and then he would go live his life yeah. happily ever after. So yeah. this one at the oh, sorry, same go time, go ahead. Oh, oh no! All I was gonna say was, yeah, this went on for a long time. I mean, it's kind of important to like, you know, I mean, yeah. this kind of stage went on for probably like about a year and a half, where, where in his parents' mind, he was he was at school and he was doing what he was supposed to be doing, and but he wasn't really doing any of these things, and and he would continue to say like, well, I I might have to do it, I might have to go kill it, I don't want to, but I might have to just like, you know, go kill everybody, and then he 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 started reading these um, law of attraction books um, that were basically about like positive thinking and so on and so forth. So he would, he would envision that he was going to win the lottery and then he would buy like yeah. numerous lottery tickets and he would be sure he wouldn't just think he would be sure that he had won. And, right. and he would sit there and he'd be like, okay, I'm not going to have to kill everybody. Like I'm going to, I'm going to win the lottery and everything's going to be fine. And then the day would come and then, and he wouldn't win, and he would, you know, he would, he would freak out. He would, you know, attack his mattress with a knife, like just, just lose his mind. And then he would plan the day of retribution again. And then again, he would read another law of attraction book, or he'd play the lottery again, and he'd, he'd stop. He'd be like, okay, you know, if I win this, then then I won't have to kill anybody. So this this period went on for for a while and, and during this period too, I mean, not to, not to ramble on, but like there's certain things like there's one time he was, he was on a field um, just hanging out and he saw like a bunch of guys playing football and some really attractive women like watching them. And he got so mad. He went to a Walmart, got a super soaker, filled it with orange juice, um, came back, sprayed them all with his super soaker, like ran away laughing like crazy, got in his car and drove off. So he was starting to sort of practice you know, like mm -hmm. these little attacks. Um, other times he would throw coffee on a couple walking down the street and then he'd just drive away and run back to his room and, and perseverate again for about five days on how he's going to, you know, how he's going to kill everybody. Um, you know, it went on for a really, really long time, this process. In that time period, too, he did some brave attempts, I guess, in his mind to see if he could find someone that would be attracted to him. So he went to parties that he wasn't invited to, seemed to blend in, even drank some beer, but just yeah. did some embarrassing things. And at one point through his own undoing, or 
he ends up getting beat up. And through all of this, when yeah. we talk about him being bullied, him being ridiculed, he so isolates himself and just the private schools and everything else, he never really was beat up. So no. in the midst of this mindset, he's again, he says a lot of things about last straws, but this beating is one of the last straws to put him and decide for certain that he's going to do this day of retribution, doesn't it? Yeah, he, he you know, short version of the story is um, there were a few times, as you said, that, that he would go into a party and just kind of stand there. He'd get really drunk and drink vodka or whatever and walk to a party or go into a party and just sort of stand there and and um, then leave because he didn't know what to do. But this one time he, um, and again, you brought up the racial thing, which stirred it. He went to this party. He didn't know anybody. He just knew through Facebook, through stalking Facebook, there was this big kind of frat party thing going on with like a couple hundred people. And he went in and there was an Asian guy talking to a really attractive woman. So that made him really, really mad. Um, you know, that, that, that this woman was talking to an Asian guy instead of him. Um, sure. And he ended up trying to insult the Asian guy. The Asian guy just was kind of worried about him, like thought he was too drunk, which made Elliot even matter. He went outside and there was like a little ledge outside of the party and he jumped up on the ledge. It's like a little wall, like a stone wall. And he jumped up and he sort of like made, started making a gun motion and started trying to shoot people when they're passing by just with his hand. He didn't have a gun. And other people saw him on the, on the wall and they jumped up too. And then he started trying to push off attractive women. He tried to push them off the ledge. It was probably about, you know, four feet high. It wasn't like high, but, but right. these guys saw him doing it. So they pushed him off instead, you know, and then Elliot hurt his leg. They actually did punch him a couple times cause he was like fighting with them. Um, and yeah, to him, that was the ultimate end. He was, he was, the police were even called and like so on and so forth. And he was injured and had to stay with his mom for a while. His leg was actually kind of messed up. But in his mind, at that point, there was almost no going back, and he decided that he had to go through with it. Even though he still delayed it, like you said, because he had injured himself, he had to put it off because he wasn't ready. But that was sort of the end for him as far as like him thinking that he could fit in. He was posting some videos prior to yeah. his master plan, and then the police are at his bedroom door. He has guns, as you write. He has guns in there, and he has the writings about his ultimate plan. Now, he's terrified yeah, he, of everything, but there's this knock on the door. What's that all about? What happens there? He, well, he, just to backtrack a bit, too, I mean, this is a kid that, like, you know, had never been around, like, weapons, and never, like, but, yeah, he actually, he actually bought some guns. Like, so he had purchased some guns, and the videos, I don't know if you've ever seen them, Dan, but they're like they're they're so weird. I mean, they get taken down a lot on on YouTube, and then they get put back up. The re the day of retribution video you can still find like really easily. That's that's the one that he put up right before he um you know went off and, and did the massacre. You can still find that one, and it's very chilling and creepy, and it's, it's pretty easy to find. But these other ones are not that easy to find. So he put up a whole bunch of videos like. They were sort of like, you know, why don't girls like me? They they vacillated between I'm so cool and perfect and handsome and why don't girls like me? And other ones were just sort of him driving in his expensive car with like walking on sunshine with Katrina and the waves going on in the background. But he, he also, some of them he said some really weird, disturbing things. Um, and his mother had um, seen one of them. And so 
she called the police. She didn't tell Elliot, but she called the police kind of like to do a wellness check. So, yeah, they showed up. Um, he had like all sorts of writings. He had his guns, like he had writings of his plans and his guns and so on and so forth. And he basically just told them that his mother was a quote unquote worry wart and that he was fine. Um, you know, that, that he, you know, that he didn't really mean anything and, and that everything was good. And then he took all the police, you know, they talked to him and they left and then he took all his videos down um, at that point, he ended up uploading a bunch more again later, but at that point he took them all down and, and just kind of went on with his stuff. But he was really frightened that they would have found his plans and stopped the whole thing. And they, they could have potentially if they, if they went in and searched his room, but there's all sorts of, you know, there's all sorts of civil rights stuff around that too. So I'm not saying that they necessarily even should have done that. I mean, it would have been great if they did obviously, but hindsight's always, um, 2020 in situations like that. What did his parents do as a result of this welfare check and these videos? What well, the at this say? point, at this point, he was seeing. Um, they had hired a life coach. They actually even hired some younger people that were that were um, that were almost like you know paid friends that would go out and have coffee with them, things like that. And they had hired a life coach, and he had gone back to his. Um, He'd gone back to his psychiatrist, too. Um, you know, that, that was always spotty. And when you, when you go through his records and you go through the, um, you know, the, the reports, there's the reports of him going to psychiatrists and, and, and different doctors, but it's unclear, like, how much time there is in between. Um, so I believe that he had not seen the psychiatrist for quite a while, and they just started um, after these videos, like, you know, having family um, sessions with psychiatrists, but really what they were talking about was what's Elliot's relationship with his with his stepmother and, and so on and right. so forth. They weren't. No one was aware that that he. Even the videos that he put up should be clear. He didn't threaten violence against anybody. He was just acting very weird. Um, he wasn't saying he was going to kill everybody or anything like that. No. Um, so he lied to the psychiatrist. He lied to his family. So nothing ever really came of it. He has a plan for April 24th, and like I mentioned, he has an accident, so he has to push it to May 24th, 2014. Right. What about this manifesto? Besides the videos, and he takes some videos down, puts some other videos up, what is contained in this manifesto? And he sends this to who? Well, I mean, right before he, right before he does everything, he sent it to... Um, he sent it to his life coach. He sent it to his mother. He sent it to his father. Um, it, it, I mean, what's in it is, is um, again, as he goes, he, he just deteriorates more and more um, to the extent that, I mean, he really feels that, that society, um, his thread throughout it is that he didn't do this to society. Society did it to him. And, right. and women have been so cruel to him all along and, and you know, he, he had no choice but to show everybody his true worth and so on and so forth. And he also is very clear that he's, that he's aware that he's, you know, he doesn't even want to survive it. Like he, he doesn't want to go to jail or prison. Um, right. But the, him starting off as such a mild, meek young man and then turning into this, you know, psychotic killer, you know, is a very interesting and scary, you know, transgression obviously but 
the manifesto, um, just like the video, you can find it pretty easily online. Um, and as I stated before, this is one of the reasons I was interested in writing the book because it's an incredible, it's an incredible thing to read. Um, so yeah, I kind of got lost track there. What was your What was your question about what he was thinking? Well, or? basically, the gist of the manifesto we we know of his philosophy all along, but he includes everything from you know that these women are beasts and the people that they associate yeah. with are beasts so they should be eliminated they shouldn't be allowed they shouldn't be allowed to exist um yes. his pain his suffering he talks about so he has to inflict pain and and he has had fantasies that we didn't talk about about actually flailing someone alive so torture becomes one of yeah. his fantasies yeah and and so in that manifesto part of his yeah well, I was just going to say that's a big part of his plan is that um, um, we haven't talked about his, his last roommates yet, but a big part of his plan is, is, is killing his roommates so he can set up a torture chamber in his, um, in his apartment and lure all sorts of attractive women in there and, um, and, the, and men and then kill them one by one, torture them, flay their skins for their bones. Um, really, it gets really bizarre here, you know. I mean, the whole thing's bizarre, but at this point it's beyond bizarre. You know, he wants to cut off their heads and, and put them in bags. Um, and then later during his day of retribution, he's going to, like, stand on the street and open up the bag and, like, you know, kind of throw all the heads out and so on and so forth to show everyone how powerful he is. And it's really beyond the pale, absolutely bizarre, you know, at this point, um, what's in his manifesto and what he's thinking about what he's going to do. Right. Now let's get to the actual day in question. It's fascinating and heartbreaking and very vivid part of the book is when the parents are alerted first the mother then the father um but tell take us to that day and what he does the roommates his planning what he is what he is uh, assembled in terms of weaponry tell us about that sure um he had a he had a glock um pistol and he also had a I don't even know how this is pronounced. It's an SIG Sour pistol. I'm not sure if I pronounced that right. correctly, but um, so. that he bought over bought over time, and he'd been going to like a firing range and like practicing on them and so on and so forth. And it's kind of important a little bit to even talk about the roommates that he was living with. Um, he was living with two Asian guys that he considered complete nerds. Um, he didn't like them. They didn't like him. There was a variety of altercations. At one point, he even called the police because he accused one of his roommates of stealing um, stealing a pair of, like, you know, a couple of $6 candles, um, yeah. and so on and so forth. Didn't They did not, like, like each other um, at all. So, so basically, um, in the middle of the night, um, it, they don't know exactly when his roommates were, uh, were killed. Um, they think they were killed about three hours before he went out and, and started his own... Um, started his rampage but he killed his roommates one by one and it, see this is what to me this is like so bizarre because even as he's writing all this stuff and he's, and he's saying all this stuff he's still elliot roger like he's he's five four he probably weighs 120 pounds he'd never been in a fight in his life until he was beaten up and even then he wasn't really in a fight he basically was just beaten up so he goes from that to doing this so 
so these roommates come in, two roommates and a friend. I always say roommates, but that's not true. There were, there were three different victims, two roommates and a friend. Right. So they came in one by one, um, you know, half hour, hour apart. No one knows for sure this part when they were killed for sure. Um, but they were definitely killed separately, and, and he would attack them with a knife, each one individually with a knife, um, stab them like numerous times um, until they were dead, and then he would drag a body um, into the bedroom, cover it with like towels and blankets, and wait for the next person to arrive. Um, yeah. Now, it's important to say, too, that in the manifesto, there's nothing about this. Like, the manifesto goes up, you know, he doesn't write about what he did with the... Um, with the roommates um, before he went oh. back out and, and killed. So, so there were three different people. He did that, and then he, then he, you know, sat in his apartment. And I, I imagine, you know, his plan, which is so, so bizarre that he's going to lure people in there and, and kill them and torture them. I mean, first of all, I'm not saying this to be funny or facetious, but I mean, he'd never been able to lure a woman into his yeah. apartment anyway. That's right. Not to mention with three dead bodies in there. Um, so there's not much chance that he's going to be able to do it now. Um, so that part never came to fruition. I mean, he, he killed the roommates no. in theory because that was part of his plan was to lure people to his apartment and kill other people in his apartment. But that never happened. So then there's like a period of, I believe, maybe like, you know, again, no one knows exactly when, but for a period of time he didn't do anything at all. And then he was seen like outside in his car at one point, like, you know, um, you know, playing on his laptop. He got a Starbucks, like, coffee a few hours before. This is all, like, around 8.30 at night. Um, so, again, the roommates were killed sometime earlier in the day. Their bodies weren't found until the next day. So then he went to a, a sorority house, the Alpha Phi sorority house, like, um, where he considered it to be um, where the women were the, the most attractive sorority, like, at the school. So he had planned this particular sorority house. His plan was he was going to go in and kill all of them, basically, um, purely for the crime of being, in his opinion, like, really attractive, you know. So sure. he went there and he, he knocked on the door. Um, and he continued to knock on the door. And for some reason, nobody answered it. It's kind of odd because people even said afterwards that they would hear people knock. The door was locked. And he knocked, and people would hear people knocking on the door, and people would, you know, someone would go see who it was and let him in. But for some reason, nobody did. Um, so now his plan's already gone completely. Um, I mean, obviously, his plan would never have gone the way he wanted it to because it was insane. But um, yeah. his plan's already gone out the window, no torture chamber. He couldn't get into the sorority house. So he basically just starts shooting. Um, he gets back in his car, and he just starts shooting people randomly. Um, he shoots two women. Um, three women, actually. Um, two of them die. The other one survives. He just pulls up to them and just starts shooting. I mean, there's, throughout this massacre, throughout this attack, like there's a series of stories of people just saying that he just pulled up to them in his BMW. This guy pulled up, looked at them, and, you know, started shooting. So two of those women died. One survived. He then just kept driving around the neighborhood hitting people with his car. He killed another man with a shot that was trying to get into a deli. He killed him, hit numerous bicyclists, sideswept cars, just mayhem. Um, I mean, absolute mayhem until eventually, I mean, obviously the police were on the scene fairly quickly. Um, one of them um, took a shot at Elliot. Well, he was shot at before and missed, but one of them actually hit Elliot in the thigh. 
Elliot crashed his car, and he ended up shooting himself in the head. Um, and that was, you know, very different than what his, um, and he died, very different than what his plan um, actually was. And what you were alluding to earlier was, yes, so that right before he went out and started these attacks, he had sent um, the manifesto, and he had uploaded the video, the Day of Retribution video. His mother saw it, talked to his father, and um, as this was going on, they were racing from their home to, um, to Santa Barbara, trying to call his cell, trying to get in touch with him, calling the police until they were finally told to pull over and the police let them know that their son had died. It's a very, very bizarre day and horrible day, obviously. Yeah. In the wake of this uh, tragedy, what has happened with the incel online community? And and we talked, we alluded to in the introduction about copycats. So yeah. this disaster, all these unique confluence of events and circumstances, and this this young man's insane. But you say that uh, there's copycats. There's other cases this, from this yeah. the aftermath. Yeah, and I, again, I want to be clear too because I for the book I interviewed a guy that um he's the he's he runs um, a site called incels.co um, that that's the most popular. Um, you know, so-called chat room for incels. But since Elliot did the, and they're not, my point is that I'm not even trying to allude to the fact that everyone that identifies with an incel or, or goes on a site like this is a is a murderous lunatic. But at the same point... That's right, that's right. Um, but at the same point, um, there's a lot of people, whether it's jokingly or not, that they refer to Elliot Roger as St. Elliot. When I say a lot of people, I'm saying incels. Um, they refer to him as St. Elliot. Like they, they talk about going ER, meaning you know his initials, when they get angry. Um, there's a lot of people right. on these sites that, that say that women should be you know, put in concentration camps, that rape should be legal, that they basically say the very, very same things that um, Elliot Roger did in his manifesto. Um, the whole supreme gentleman thing is kind of like um, because people, you know, they they talk about it all the time on these sites. You know, the, they call him the supreme gentleman. Some of them, of course, are trolling in a sense, but but some of them, you know, some of them aren't. Um, and there have been a, I wouldn't say a huge amount of copycats, and some of them are, some of them are sort of alluded to as being copycat killings, but but they might not be. But they're most. The biggest one is Alec Maniason, who was um, in Toronto. He did the van attack right. um, mm-hmm. where he killed numerous people, I think around and, 10, and injured a bunch yeah. of others. Um, he did it with a – he just rammed people with his van. And, and he, you know, actually put on, on Facebook, you know, something to the effect of the incel rebellions has begun, all hail Elliot Roger. Um, a bunch of other killers have referenced Elliot Roger and their writings before they've, before they've, um, before they've, all the same type of thing where, where um, the guy in Florida, Scott Beerley, he's a Tallahassee guy that went into a yoga shop studio and killed a bunch of women. Um, There's another guy, Christopher Harper Mercer. These guys all would reference Elliot Roger and, 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 
um, or at least talk about themselves being incels before before they did their crime, their killings. So it's become a thing. The Southern Poverty Law Center is now called Incels a Hate Group because um, of their misogyny. The, the website that I just referenced, um, they used to be on Reddit. Reddit shut them down because of the things mm-hmm. they were saying. And Reddit doesn't shut people down that, that easily. Then they had a website hosted in the United States. Um, that host shut them down because of things they were saying. Last I knew, they were posted out of a site in Iceland. Um, so it's a very bizarre subculture. And again, I want to be clear that, that you know, I mean, Internet trolls are everywhere. It's like, it's like you've got to be able to differentiate, you know, that, that some of these guys are just, this guy's messing around on the Internet. I'm not saying it's cool. I'm just also not saying yeah. they're all potential, potential killers because they're certainly not. Yeah. A lot of talk. A lot of talk on the Internet, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I think it would be irresponsible of me to, like, not, not actually say that because, because, yeah, I mean, a lot of them are just, that's why I even said some of these guys that ended up, even ended up killing people. They didn't refer, just reference Elliot Roger. They they represented other people too. Like Nicholas Cruz, the Parkland shooter, he's one of the guys. He referenced Elliot Roger, but he also had a myriad of of other issues. So it would be it would be kind of a irresponsible to think that Elliot Roger was the reason Nicholas Cruz did what he did. But there are a couple, in particular Manassian, um, who waved that insult flag completely, and that's the only reason, according to them, that they did it. Was their hatred of Warrenable? Incredible. I want to thank you very much, Brian, for coming on and talking about the Supreme Gentleman Killer, the story of an incel mass murderer. It's been fascinating. Um, this is a Wild Blue Press release, and how can they? Yeah. Is there a Facebook page or a website they might take a look at? Yeah. I, hey, Dan, I always appreciate you having me on. It's always um, it's always um, interesting. Um, yeah, you can buy it through. Um, I love having you on. I do a website. I have a website on brianwhitneyauthor.com. You can buy the book on Amazon. You can buy it through Wild Blue. You can buy it anywhere, basically, online. Absolutely. It's a, it's a really weird story. Like I said, I was I was very surprised that no one had ever. The main reason I wrote the book, as I said, I was like kind of surprised no one ever had. It's kind of like a, a story waiting to be told. Absolutely, and you've uh, done an admirable job. Thank you very much for the Supreme Gentleman Killer, the story of an incel mass murderer. Thank you very much, Brian Whitney. You have a great night. Thank you. Good night. You too. Take care. Bye-bye.